0: Good morning, Outlook family. It's good to see everyone this morning. I'd like to begin our time together by praying portions of Psalm 6 and Psalm 35 together. I've adjusted them slightly uh, from the singular to the plural uh, for all of us this morning, but I would invite you to join me in prayer. The verses will be on the screen. You can pray with your eyes open if you want. Uh, but either way, let's go before the Lord And pray these holy scriptures back to him. Let's pray together. Have mercy on us, Lord, for we are faint. Heal us, Lord, for our bones are in agony. Our souls are in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Turn, Lord, and deliver us. Save us because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? We are worn out from all our groaning. All night long we flood our beds with weeping and drench our couches with tears. Our eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all our foes. How long, Lord, will you look on? Rescue us from their ravages, our precious lives from these lions. We will give You thanks in the great assembly. Among the throngs, we will praise You. Lord, You have seen this. Do not be silent. Do not be far from us, Lord. Awake and rise to our defense. Contend for us, our Lord, our God and Lord. In Your mighty name, Lord, calling on Your compassionate heart and Your comforting spirit, we pray this moment for victims and their families. So many victims. So much pain and grief. We join the minute, Lord, as you join the minute. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. Today is a standalone message. We're in between two sermon series. Next week we'll start a summer series moving through the New Testament letter to the Hebrews. But today has long been planned as a standalone sermon, and after weeks of praying and percolating on what to preach this morning, I landed on today's sermon passages and outline on Tuesday morning, not realizing what the rest of that day would bring. What we're reading here this morning is a recurring word that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Peter to write in our first letter from Him. So let me begin by simply reading these passages and noting, as you'll hear it, the recurring words that we hear. I'll start in chapter 1 of 1 Peter. And now, this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living. Later in chapter 4, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And one chapter later, again, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is suffering, is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So there's an urgency to Peter's words here, his recurring theme of being alert and of sober mind, of having our minds prepared for action. And so I want to lift from these passages three things just to remind us of this morning. And those three things are this the stakes are high, the time is short the devil is real let's talk first about how the stakes are indeed high let's not underestimate as we're gathered here this morning the weight and importance of our own individual spiritual health and discipleship to jesus it can be one of those things that we might be tempted to put on autopilot right like, hey, yeah, I remember that day I got baptized, or I remember that day I said yes to Jesus or committed, recommitted my life. And so, yeah, it's all good. And I haven't really, perhaps, if I'm honest with myself, paid a lot of attention to my own spiritual health or discipleship to Jesus. I've just kind of thought that was just gonna take care of itself. But the stakes are higher than that. And we mustn't underestimate. Here again, what Peter says, back to that first of our three passages he says now the good news has been announced to you by those who preach in the power of the holy spirit sent from heaven so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control live as god's obedient children don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires you didn't know any better then this is how he goes on to say first word i want to emphasize here is this word now he says but now you've heard something And not just anything, but something that now changes everything else. You've heard this good news, or at least you are hearing it. In fact, if you're with us today, whether you're here with me in the room or you're with us online, perhaps perhaps today's the day you're really starting to hear or draw near to this idea of Jesus. And you want to learn more about Him, but you're really still checking that out. I'm really glad you're with us. Hope you'll find us to be a safe place where you can explore these truths. It's a message that changes everything. Now, he says, you've heard. Now, once once this message lands on us and we begin to realize that God is real, that He loves us, that He knows us, that He's with us, He's for us, not against us, and we begin to see the truth of of God's grace poured out in Christ and all that that can mean for us, now, nothing is heard or said or done or left undone. That doesn't consider the gospel. This message helps us see everything in a new light. So now that you've heard this message, Peter says, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Now, in the original language, this phrase, prepare your minds for action, is actually gird up the loins of your mind. That's pretty weird. Let's admit it. But let me explain what, what what that means back in this day in bible days right uh, people wore robes more than they might wear pants like you and i might wear today and so the idea of uh girding up your loins means that you take the folds of the garment at the bottom of your robe and you tuck them into your belt you essentially turn them into a pair of shorts so that you're ready to run ready to fight ready to move ready to respond to whatever is happening. So it says, I'm ready for action. So that's where we get it translated here, prepare your minds for action. This is the posture of someone who's alert, who knows something's up, who is ready for anything. Ready to run, ready to fight, ready to do what's necessary. In other words, ready for action. Now action, that's gotta be one of my favorite words. There's a lot about our faith that we can be tempted to only keep right up here, or maybe here, but we need to let all of that translate into our actions. Amen? Prepare your minds, not for deeper thoughts, as good as those can be, or aspirational goals, as, neat, as, as necessary as they may be, but prepare your minds for action. See, there's good that desperately needs to be done in this world. There's temptation from which We are consistently told to flee in our lives. Both of these require engaged action, right? There's good that gets left undone in this world when I don't prepare myself for action. When the church, when we as Christians aren't preparing ourselves for action, it means we're preparing ourselves for inaction. And nothing good gets done through my inaction. No temptation gets fought by my ignorance of it or by my downplaying it, right? I need engaged action. The stakes are high. We're talking about our souls, and often when we neglect our souls, we end up becoming the kind of people that ends up hurting our relationships, steering our lives into the ditch, and that can happen to any of us. The stakes are high. This whole church thing, this whole faith thing, this whole Jesus thing, it's not just kind of a a nice-to-have add-on to our lives, right? A little bit of an upgrade that if we choose to take, yeah, okay, that'll be good. No, we're talking about something that ends up being life and death for our eternal souls and for how much of our earthly lives end up going in terms of our own character. So the stakes are high. We're talking about our souls, so don't slip back, Peter says, But press forward into this new kingdom, this new life, this new love and grace that you've been given. Live as God's obedient children, he says. See, that's what this world certainly needs from you and from me, right? To be people who are simply and sincerely doing what we know to do to follow Jesus and put his word into action. This world needs Christians to be Christians. And by that, I don't mean a voting block. I mean a people of love. I mean a group of people that are not a party or a lobby, but the family of God and the body of Christ. Amen? That's what this world needs from the church. We've heard and accepted. We are a people who have heard and accepted as true a message preached in the power of a spirit sent from heaven. That's no small thing. That's who we are, according to this passage. People now have heard and now believe this powerful message that changes everything. The stakes are high. This message is precious. Let's also reflect on the fact that the time is short. Chapter 4, we read this. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. The end of the world is coming, he essentially says. Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. There's a couple things that we're being reminded of here. First, Jesus is coming soon. How soon? Soon enough. Okay? Soon enough. I don't know, and neither do you, but soon enough. This was an ethic built in, baked in to the early church from day one, and that was an expectation and a looking forward and anticipation of the, G- the return of Jesus. It tells us that we're in a chapter, but we're not in the whole story, that, that, that this era we live in, in between Jesus' first and second coming, we don't know how long it may be. It may be thousands of more years. We have to account for that possibility, or it may be today. And it's that kind of consideration that keeps us alert and of sober mind, keeps us ready, keeps us leaning forward and on our toes and ready to do and be the kind of people that we're called to be. Jesus is coming soon. How soon? Soon enough. So keep your eyes on the prize and the true prize of all that masquerades as prizes. The second thing that we're being told here when we see that uh, that the end of all things is near is it reminds us that our lives on earth are short. How short? only God knows. Whenever you and I reach the end of our earthly lives, we'll probably feel as though it was too short. But the fact is, we need to stay focused then on what matters. Jesus is coming soon. How soon? We don't know. Our lives are short. How short? We also don't know. But our window here on earth is only open for so long. I think this may be why Jesus taught so much about Uh, the lure of temporary things, money, wealth, our relationship to it. Few things are so embarrassingly temporary and yet so terminally distracting as stuff, right? It's so easy for any of us to look around at what currently is, kind of take a Polaroid and want to say, this is the way things should always be. We want permanence in this world of impermanence. We look around at what we currently have. We begin to feel as though it should last, maybe not forever, we wouldn't say that, but for as long as we want and need it to. And we suddenly, subtly tell ourselves uh, that what is will always be. We behave as if, as if that's true, living our days and setting our priorities as if it is. In our humanness that we all share, we have an instinct to assign permanence and to things or circumstances which are, in fact, terribly temporary. And we do this mostly because it's hard to bear the fact of their impermanence. It's natural, though not helpful, to, um, and it's a tendency we share at some level. There is much to be enjoyed in this earthly life, much to thank God for and receive as good gifts from His hand. But proper perspective is needed, and we have to constantly choose it, the snare of worldly wealth and its seeming promise of security. It's one of our most basic human needs, security, but we end up putting our hope where it shouldn't be. We're so tempted to put our hope there instead of in the Lord. C.S. Lewis, put, C.S. Lewis puts it like this in his book, uh, "The Problem of Pain." He says, "The security we crave, would teach us to rest our hearts in this world. That's a great sentence there. The security we crave would teach us to rest our hearts in this world, as if it's not all coming to an end one day. He says, our Father refreshes us, this is pure poetry, on the journey with some pleasant ends, but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. You ever been on vacation in a really nice place and you're like, we should move here, right? right? That's the temptation we have all the time when, we, when the Father blesses us with a pleasant end, so to speak, a, a moment or a season or a place in life that is rich and, and we are, have been given it for our enjoyment. But don't confuse this place for home. Until we comprehend this truth, we'll keep investing ourselves in disappointments. And it's not just stuff, is it? It's success, it's comfort, it's status, it's so many things that lure us, all of us, at times. We do well to be daily reminded this world in its present form is passing away. That's how Paul put it to the Corinthian Christians. Now, not everything is passing away, to be sure. God's word and God himself endure. His kingdom has no end. People are permanent. We ourselves are eternal souls. These things are not of this world. They are not passing away. They are true wealth. We can invest ourselves in this real and lasting treasure. But Peter's words are ringing in our ears. Tick tock. The time is ticking away. The window of our work in this world is open only now. The day to make decisions is always today. Today is what we have. Tomorrow is ours to plan wisely for, but not to presume. And when we forget that the time is short, when we lose sight, then then we end up losing sight of eternal and spiritual realities all around us. And we begin investing ourselves in the material and in the temporal. We find our joy in the stuff we purchase. We place our identity in the teams we cheer on. We, f- we, we place our significance in our physical attractiveness. We get confused about what truly matters. We end up praying, but mostly about things just going well, and not so much about God's will, and that it would be done no matter what. We gather for worship, perhaps more to feel better and recharge our batteries than to be better and get equipped to change this world. We mistake our earthly life for our whole life. And then we drown in the frivolous and the banal. But Peter says the end of all things is right around the corner. So be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So that you may draw near to God. Friends, we can't afford to let anything get in our way when it's time to pray. And brothers and sisters, it is time to pray. Time to draw near to God time to cry out to God, time to lean upon God today and every day. Pray as he taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come here on earth through us, your church. May your will be done willingly and completely, just just like it is in heaven. Give us today the bread we need. Please forgive us as you enable us to forgive others. May we not fall for temptation, God, but please deliver us from all the schemes of the evil one, because God, the kingdom is yours, and so is the glory and the power forever and ever. How many ways, how many things do we let get in the way of us maybe even simply praying that prayer he taught us to pray every day? The stakes are high, and the time is short, and the devil is real back to first peter now in chapter 5 again he says be alert and of sober mind but now he says he adds to that thought this thought your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Consider Peter's words. Be alert and of sober mind. Watch out for your great enemy, he says. The devil, there is a link between our state of mind and our ability to deal with the devil, who is always looking for some dim soul with their guard down. Could be me, could be you. So he can eat them alive and destroy their life. Be alert and of sober, thoughtful, discerning mind. Engage with your thinking. Pay attention to what's happening in your own head. The devil wants to keep us light and fluffy and distracted, lacking conviction regarding our beliefs. We avoid this by remaining aware of and armed against the spiritual forces of darkness and evil. We don't forget that there's a fight to be fought. And that's right, I said the spiritual forces of darkness and evil. There is a spiritual realm that is at least as real as the physical. And we miss much when we underestimate or ignore that reality. Spiritual forces are at work in this world powerful forces of light, influential forces of darkness. And it's been that way since the beginning. These evil forces always seek to deceive humankind and veer us away from God. That is the line that is the battle line that's drawn through every heart. Will I turn toward or away from God? And friend, that line is drawn through your heart too, as well as mine. Recall these suspicious words of the devil in the earliest scenes of the human story. Did God really say He began to ask, calling into question and then twisting ever so slightly God's good guidance. You can bet he wants to do the same to you and to me. Now, Adam and Eve, uh, God their father had given direction to Adam and Eve, the very first humans, and he set boundaries. They made a decision to take a different direction. And that decision began, as all bad decisions do, with believing the devil's deception and twisted truth about the goodness of those boundaries. It is the evil one's area of expertise to take a truth, drain it of some of its most essential meaning, give it a little twist, and see if we'll accept it. But please remember and never forget, half-truths are whole lies. Our first mistake is giving ear to them. Now, this is not a challenge of only ages past, friends. This is a constant engagement for us today. He prowls around like a roaring lion, Peter writes, looking for someone to devour. You know, as I was reflecting on that line there, I I, I realized there are times when I feel like I almost hear the devil laughing, at least in my spiritual imagination. That might sound strange, but I really mean it. We've heard it again recently in the tragedies of our headlines. It won't be the last time. The pleasure of the devil as he sees what happens in our world, what we do to each other. Whether it's a destroyed marriage of a friend or the relapse of a family member or the latest heartbreaking, mind-bendingly tragic mass shooting, the devil smiles at hate and violence and greed and lust and insanity, all of it humanity without God. And as someone who walks with people through the devil's devastation, I kind of feel like he and I cross paths frequently. Let me just say to you this morning, with as much earnestness as I know how to put it, stay ready. Stay engaged and alert. Stay in the word. Stay in prayer. And stay connected to your brothers and sisters in Jesus. Stay in the light Stay accountable. Stay all those things. Or as Peter would put it simply, be alert and of sober mind. Because the devil never takes a day off. If you're listening this morning, again, whether here in the room or online or after the fact, and if this message just might be the thing that you needed to hear today, Let me encourage you to reach out to someone that you know and love and trust, Christian brother or sister, and share what you're going through, how the devil's been attacking you, whatever it is it might be, and it could be any number of things. But don't keep going it alone, and don't let any more time pass without bringing whatever it is that's going on in you into the light before the Lord with someone you trust And if that would be uh, me or any of our pastors, we we are absolutely ready to hear from you. And I would be more than happy to sit down with you and pray through and talk through what you're going, what you're enduring right now. Friends, hear this. The risk of our peril is not in fighting and losing. Oh man, no way. We've got way too much power for that. Holy Spirit living in us, the devil, doesn't stand a chance. Our problem is losing because we're not in the fight. So I'm really just encouraging our watchword this morning from Peter, from the Lord through Peter to us, is stay in the fight. Stay alert and of sober mind, because our enemy is real. Resist him, Peter says, standing firm in the faith. Or as Paul put it to the Ephesians, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him room. Don't give him any entrance into your life, mind or heart. No space where he can even put a toe in the door of your soul. The solid solid advice that we receive here in these scriptures is not always followed, but man, it's never irrelevant. He says, remember that your family of believers is all suffering the same type of stuff that you are. The fight is real. I've sat with countless believers who might ask, why me or why did God do this to me when they encounter misfortune or tragedy. They somehow have embraced the idea that life is supposed to be smooth. They forget they're in a fight. So today, my simple and sincere reminder to us through these holy scriptures is this. The devil is real, the time is short, and the stakes are high. So let's be alert and keen and sober and of ready mind. Not slipping back, but moving forward, not wasting our time, but using our days wisely, not ignoring our souls, but bringing them before God. Amen. On Memorial Day, we honor and express gratitude for those who have given their life in service and defense of our freedoms. On a day like that, we're reminded that there are things, people and ideals worth fighting for. That's a good thing to be reminded of. By the way, there are more veterans dying today of suicide than of combat, and that's why we'll not stop talking about mental health here at our church. And if you know a veteran, find him or her, put your arm around him, and check in on him, okay? The giving of life doesn't just happen on the battlefield. It happens in the field of life as well. Sacrifices get made for high ideals. That's what we remember every week in communion. I'd encourage you to grab your bread and cup if you grabbed one, if you got one as you, as you came in this morning. Like I said, uh, moments like this, you know, when we come together each week and we come to the table, as we put it, with the bread and cup, we're, we're doing what Jesus asked us to do. We're remembering his sacrifice, and we're remind, we are reminded that Jesus decided that we were worth the fight, that we were worth the sacrifice. So today, we pledge ourselves to keep in the fight ourselves and to stay in the faith. And yeah, faith is a fight. Paul said as much, agreeing with Peter, I fought the good fight, he once said, I have kept the faith. Today, we've reminded ourselves that we don't know what tomorrow or even the remainder of today will bring. So let me urge you, really we all do this every week with the bread and the cup, get right with God. In the end, it'll be all the only thing that matters. And so let's take the bread together and let's thank him for finding us worth the fight. Let's take and eat. And as we take the cup, Let's honor the one who gave his perfect life for our ultimate freedom. Let's take a drink. Let's pray together. Lord, these words that you inspired Peter to write and that we've now gotten to hear again, plant them deep in our hearts. This world would love to lull us into a a kind of spiritual laziness not alert not prepared for action lord by the power of your spirit we can fight against that lord we've just been reminded that there's a spiritual enemy we call him the devil who would love to just eat our souls alive just see see us destroyed see us totally abandon you see us drift so far from you lord be the, the, the compass in our hearts that, that, that always points back to You. Lord, may Your love, may Your grace enfold us and, 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 and surround us. God, we lean into You. We make it that our prayer today, that we need Your strength. We need Your grace and Your power. God, the victory is Yours. And for that, we can thank You and rejoice. It is in your mighty name that we pray. Amen.